BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. There's a new comedy drama on TV about college teachers and campus politics starring Sandra Oh as the first Asian-American woman chair of an English department. It's called The Chair. It's on Netflix. For comment, we turn to Amy Willens. Of course, she's best known for her work on Haiti, most recently the award-winning book Farewell, Fred Voodoo. She's also written extensively about California, the Middle East, and the Trump family. She's the former Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the New Yorker magazine. She's a longtime contributing editor at The Nation, and she's also a 2020 Guggenheim Fellow. Amy, welcome back. Thanks, John. Sandra O's oh character on this show is a professor in an English department at a major university, and so are you in real life. And your English department, UC Irvine, in fact, has a connection to this show. Please explain. Well, one of the executive producers, David Benioff, is um, he's a figure at UCI now because he is an executive producer for Game of Thrones, arguably the most successful television show ever made. And he graduated from UC Irvine's uh, English department's MFA in creative writing in 1999. So he is our boy. <laughs> we yeah. love him. Yes, I, I saw a PR release from, from UCI. He got a $200 million deal from Netflix after Game of Thrones to do more. And the first thing he's done is Sandra O oh in the chair. Now you wonder why. <laughs> it's because he knew that aside from uh, like future medieval post-climate change zombie Iceman <laughs> story of death and jousting, the best other story available was one of an English department in America today. The chair is part of a genre, the academic comedy 
faculty members have been writing about the absurdities of academic life for a really long time. The New Yorker just republished a wonderful story by Vladimir Nabokov that was originally appeared there in 1959, Panin, which is about a new faculty member in a literature department at a liberal arts college. That came out 60 years ago, and many things have changed in the English department since then. What's the basic story of The Chair? Well, the basic story is when something is failing, that's when they put women in charge of it. So <laughs> that's how Sandra Oh, who plays uh, Ji Yoon, that's how she gets to be the chair of the English department. And then it goes on from there. One of her favorite members of the English department's faculty in attempting to illustrate something obscure that I didn't really understand. His name is Professor Dobson, Bill. He who steps across the floor in front of his entire class, giving the Nazi salute. He's illustrating some metaphorical thing, but that's what he does. And the students go crazy. Of course, on most college campuses, insulting the Jewish population would not be that big a deal. In fact, students do it all the time. <laughs> the, the Jewish students respond, but it's not usually a cause celebre at a, at a campus now. But now they... Benioff and the uh, the writers of the show decided that would be a less difficult one to confront. So that's the that's the problem of the show is this thing that the professor did. And then what happens to the English department when Bill Dobson, the professor who does the goose step, has to be taken to task and, uh, you know, brought up before the school board. So a second plot involves a wonderful African-American assistant professor woman named Yaz McKay, who's played by the brilliant Nana Mensah, who we've seen in a lot of other things on TV. She's up for tenure in a world controlled by old white men. And our Asian-American woman of color is in the middle. And this creates much drama. Yes. And, and what we see, which you know doesn't make me too happy, we see the older white men giving the same damn lecture over and over again and, you know, not not paying enough attention to how the students want to hear about literature. And then we see the new, great, energetic African-American woman get up and, you know, have them rap Chaucer and have them tell stories from their own lives that are like the wife of Bath's tale. And she reminds them of how really low and crass and uh, willing to engage with filth Chaucer is. And all that is considered to be the great new way to teach English literature. <laughs> so um, that you have her facing off against what is clearly a comic trio out of Shakespeare, the three old professors, two men and a woman, and a woman. And um, they're almost slapstick. They bump into things. They're so old, they can't use the Xerox machine. Oh, did I say Xerox? I meant photocopy machine. <laughs> Let me not date myself. And they're placed in um, conflict with the young, fabulous, charismatic Black teacher. Well, the challenge to everyone who teaches and who's especially who's an administrator on a university campus these days is to, on the one hand, defend academic excellence 
and on the other hand, promote diversity, equity, and inclusion. Three words we all know very well that always go together for some reason. How does the story uh, walk that fine line? It values both sides of the equation I just told you about, the, um, the three old professors and the way they teach and how much they care about their subject versus the new young professor and how much she cares about her subject and how she teaches. Um, I tend to feel that the writers have put themselves more on the side of the young new teacher than on the side of the old sort of uh, incapable of walking teacher. <laughs> so I think they come off a little bit like anti-ivory tower academics and pro little d democratic teaching. And I think it should be both, frankly. So that's me as a professor. I like the old folks. But on the other hand, I try to be like the young folks so my students don't yawn too much or fall asleep. Um, and there are professors who really do read their notes. They sit in front of you and they read from the notes that they've been giving as lecturers for 20 years. And that's kind of inexcusable to me. Everything should seem fresh and new, even if you don't wrap it. In one key episode, the dean chooses David Duchovny, played by himself, to be the chancellor's distinguished lecturer in English literature. This also has some connection to UCI, I think. Yes, it does. Now, it may happen everywhere. In fact, thinking about it, I have no doubt that this has happened in other places. But while I was, while I've been teaching at UCI in the English department, we had a, quite a brouhaha in 2015 when the chancellor decided to make James Franco basically a distinguished lecturer in arts and literature. And he had just had a big movie. And I, I went back into my emails when I knew I was going to talk to you, John, to see what I had written to my chair, who was the chair and not a woman at the time. And it's like, Martin. How can this be? Or Michael, how can this be? <laughs> James Franco has a BA. You know, he's not a distinguished anything except, you know, he's an actor. So, um, but that's what they did. And of course, the English department had other ideas about who should be the distinguished lecturer on literature and art. And, and so does the department chair in the chair. So does Ji Yun have a different idea about this. But guess who the person is that she wanted to be the distinguished lecturer? The, the person she wanted is Yaz McKay, the young Black professor, who Ji Yun is desperate to keep, wants to keep at the school, wants to give her everything she richly deserves and doesn't really have as many resources as other schools might have. So she wants to give her this distinguished lectureship. Then, spoiler alert, when she goes to her to say, here's this distinguished lectureship, I wanted to give it to you and they're taking it away from me. Yaz says to her, oh, don't worry, I have one already. It's for Yale in the spring. P.S. They're also offering me a job for a lot more money than you're giving me and everything else I want. Is there anything else in the chair that connects with your experience on campus? Yeah, exactly that story connects because we've had problems and this is a problem of diversity, equity, and inclusion. If you're not already a diverse, equitable, and inclusive <laughs> place because you missed that boat <laughs> for a while, then when you begin to try, you're like Ji Yun. 
you don't have the resources and you don't have the receptive community in your department to welcome people of diverse backgrounds. So they feel a little lost and we've lost people um, because of that, people we really wanted. Um, and now it's getting better in the English department, but it was very hard for a while. Um, but I want to say the one big difference between UCI and what we see in this story about the English department is that UCI's English department is in a place that, believe me, it looks nothing like a college. It's <laughs> it's like an exhibit of modern architecture. And the college they've chosen somewhere in Pennsylvania, uh, there are two of them there where they shot. They're just like your fantasy of what an American college looks like. Sort of a plantation, to be honest. Yeah, the chair has a paneled office that looks sort of like an English club. I've never seen an office like that in anybody's uh, campus. So beautiful. And, and it, there's a zinger at the end about the office, which is quite nice. Well, I have to say, I did not like the chair very much. Of course, I'm an old white man, but... I didn't want to say it, John. <laughs> but, but as a comedy, I did not think the chair was very funny. It alternated between broad kind of slapstick farce, you know, a professor peeing in public, and gentle mockery, the old white men confused about their pills at the department meeting. As a picture of academia, I thought it was way out of date for what they say is a major university. This is an English department in 2021 that does not have a single African-American tenured professor. I mean, UCLA has five or six. But they're major. This place was not major. Well, it, yeah, it's described as a major university by Netflix. So, so what do they know? But what do they know? I thought the... Um, the student protests over this Nazi salute thing really were just a cartoon of what activism on, on campus is like these days. I mean, these this is not what woke kids are like on campus. They are concerned about, about you know, the N-word in their assignments or maybe sexual harassment rumors about them. Concerned about things that really reflect problems in social structures and systemic racism. They're not so concerned about what the Department of Hitler Studies, as Don DeLillo would call it, <laughs> is doing or what the professor makes fun of Nazis on his stage. They don't care about that. So the, the very pretext of it is a dodge because they're afraid to really confront the bigger problem because the bigger problem is the reason there's no comedy anymore, because you can't make fun of people for this stuff. Yeah. It's that funny. That's why the show isn't that funny. Yeah. It has some, uh, most of the funny is slapstick and character, not about the real situation, because the real situation is bad. Well, I, th I thought the best part of it was not about academia, but the portrait of an Asian American single woman trying to have it all career, parenting, romance, problems with her parents, problems with her adopted daughter. I thought that was really good. And of course, that's because Sandra Oh is really good. You know, she's been she's been on Grey's Anatomy. I looked this up for 15 years. Uh, but the people who wrote this part did know a lot about what it's like being an Asian American woman in the middle on all these different fronts between her parents and her career, between her child. Really, the, the person she's playing, Ji Yoon, is a really good person. 
And I thought that one of the things the show did well was show how um, cornered a really right thinking, kind person aware of the problems can get because she's faced with impossible choices. She doesn't want to destroy her colleague who did the Nazi salute. Uh, she doesn't want to alienate the students and she doesn't want to alienate them for good reasons, not for stupid reasons. The dean doesn't want to alienate them because he's a scaredy cat, but she doesn't want to alienate them because she loves and respects her students and is interested in the things they have to say. So she's just stuck in this impossible place. Amy Willens teaches literary journalism in the English department at UC Irvine, where the executive producer of the new academic comedy on Netflix, The Chair, got his MFA. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, John. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. 